As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph. Typically, Guelph, Ontario campus. Typically, Guelph. Yes. This is Android's Dungeon. You can listen to us on CFRU.ca, CFRU 93.3 FM, or on your favorite podcasting website. I am Jack, and I'm joined by Joel. The JJB. JJB the dirt, and the place to be. The Dirty Welshman. I thought he was English, and I had respect for him until I found out. <laughs> now well, my dark. mom was born in Cornwall, which is England, but she traces her heritage back to Wales. Well, it's all right. She She's mostly all right. I, I don't have to guard my sheep completely from Joel while he's around. Yeah. So. And the Austrians, I mean, they never did anything wrong. <laughs> the Austrians are just sitting there. They're <laughs> making chocolate and skiing and sitting in their Alps and their hills and just calling it a day. Uh, Android's Dungeon is a show about books, movies, games, music, whatever you feel like talking about, whatever happened to us before we sat down and decided to record an episode, another high-quality episode. You should be paying us. This episode is so good, you're going to feel... This episode is sponsored by 3D Catan. 3D Catan, uh, um, Audible... 3D Terraforming Mars. <laughs> 3D Terraforming Mars. Um, every other blinged out overly pretentious 3D, over overproduced 3d advanced civilization oh easy joel <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't want to go too far about the uh the, the s talking the shit talking whatever we want to call you know it. you could just like make some trains and then you'd have three 3d 18xx like no problem you could do all of them but here's where that goes off the rails. <laughs> boom, boom. Is that you don't need trains? Don't trains need don't them. actually exist in the game? No, it's just a track. And even 3D track, there's zero point to it. So there's no, there's nothing you'd gain from having 3D anything in 18xx. So it's already, it is defeated. You know, <laughs> the... I've never seen a train, so I don't believe there actually are trains in that game. Are trains real if our eyes aren't real? Think There's pictures it. of trains. <laughs> yeah, if our eyes are <laughs> whatever happened to uh Jaden? Jaden Smith. Definitely been quiet, him and his sister. Uh she whipped her nene one too many times and he starred in uh what is it? Was that Earth like uh Reborn or Earth uh three thousand or some I'm silly name. movie? I didn't see it. It could be the greatest movie excuse me of all time. Um Probably. So, so I don't feel like weighing in on that, but um, I feel like Will Smith has been a little quiet recently. Maybe he was content with Bad Boys 7 or whatever they made recently. So I, I haven't seen a single Bad Boys movie. I, I, apparently they're stupid fun, but I don't know. I haven't seen them. Have you seen any Bad Boys? Yeah, like original Bad Boys I think I saw and maybe two. can't remember. The other guy's funnier than he is. Uh... Lawrence, or not Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne. Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence, yeah. Lawrence Fishburne is a little more serious. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, they're fine. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. I like Joel. Uh, we we were talking about this because uh, I I was hanging out with my friend uh, Garrett, who is a he's a huge Sopranos and Matrix fan, and uh, there's a there's a crossover between the the movie and the series. Do you know who it is? Pesci. Pardon me. <laughs> just kidding. Pardon me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, close. It's another Italian actor, Joe Pantoliano, oh, Cipher, yeah. and uh, in Sopranos he plays Ralph Cifaretto. Who I don't know if you want to call him. Like, how much of Sopranos do you know? Five seasons. That's pretty good. I I think you would have seen Ralph Cifaretto at that point, right? I think so. He's, He's the guy uh... with that wig. Hmm. He, does he like? Is there a point where he takes it off? You not know it's a wig at first. Well, he gets it taken off after he's killed by Christopher and Tony, but <laughs> it's <laughs> never okay. before. But he, he was one of the characters that when back when Sopranos, so when it was Prestige TV on HBO, uh, my parents didn't have HBO, uh, but then they also, I, I think it was CTV which was remarkable at the time, got the licensing rights to, they bought the rights to air Sopranos uh, on cable. Uh, and by cable, I mean like regular Canadian television. Um, uncensored. So it was a huge deal at the time. So like I think, what's up? Like late at night? I think it was later at night, like nine or 10 o'clock. So it wasn't wild. And and that's one of these, uh, one of these, Things that people don't understand is there's no hard rule against like uh, nudity and swearing on TV. I think it's after nine o'clock. Um, it's just a decision that cable networks or television yeah, channels by choose. Yeah, so it's like they they assume most kids that are impressionable enough are in bed, but nobody wants to risk it. So unless it's changed since I heard this, there, there's no rule that says you can't show that stuff, especially in Canada. And uh, when I say especially in Canada, any young man growing up. Uh, in the the late '90s, 2000s in Canada, was firmly aware of uh, Showcase after nine o'clock, and in Ontario, yeah. you had City TV after uh, like nine o'clock as well or ten o'clock. Uh, that's when things got a little racy. <laughs> things got a little blue. Quality softcore uh, mysteries. Mysteries. It, it didn't. But here's the thing: it didn't start with just like <laughs> here we go. It uh, it started with I believe Oz, which was more HBO stuff on Showcase, and so we had some hardcore violence <laughs> and cursing and and uh, nudity, and then we moved into uh, Red Shoe Diaries, which was softcore pornography, and uh, you had the whole schedule down. Yeah, we had the whole schedule. It was it was Friday nine o'clock show uh, Fridays without borders. Everyone everyone <laughs> who had a pulse knew what was going on on Friday. Quality. <laughs> And then City TV had their uh, Baby Blue stuff where they were showing softcore pornography. So, But uh, City TV bucked the trend during the week and then showed Sopranos. And uh, to bring this all home before I ramble too long, was that I think that's where most people in Canada, at least, but who didn't have HBO, maybe got a taste for Sopranos. And uh, I remember I would bring up Ralph Cifaretto to mom because she was a huge Sopranos fan. And, we, and, that, and they eventually did get uh, HBO and uh, so we could watch it live. When it aired, but she would you'd you'd mention Ralph Cifaretto and she'd just get oh oh he was awful he was a terrible person <laughs> that's what it was always Very great emotional about the character 
it would, she was very emotional. She had a very visceral reaction to a fictional character on television, which shows how good the writing was and the acting was. Yeah, and... it's a good sign that he portrayed it perfectly. Oh, he, he was fantastic. And he got two seasons, too, which in Sopranos is pretty rare for... Uh, like, uh, Phil got a couple of seasons here and there. Like, uh, But Ralph Cifaretto, as far as like the, the quote-unquote... Because a lot of these Sopranos seasons had villains, characters that showed up, and they were, they were bad, and then by the end they were t- dealt with. But Ralph Cifaretto got two seasons, and he was just fantastic he, every time. So anyone who knows anything about Sopranos knows what I'm oh, talking yeah, about. Oh, yeah, I know the guy. Yeah, he's, he, um, in the end, he, like, uh, killed a horse. Exactly. He, horses. Well, but that's not even proven. He, he burns down the stable. Uh, yeah. it, or not even he burns down the stable, but there's a fire at the stable, and it's heavily implied he did it, but it's not proven. And then Tony goes he berserk. He also, like, killed a prostitute. They didn't care about that. In, in an extremely brutal, <laughs> brutal yeah. scene. And, like, uh, like hooks up with his sister for a while. I don't remember that. He got away with a lot. Yeah, he, he, he was, like, living with uh, with uh, Tony's sister. Mm-mm. Exactly. Yeah, he was dating Tony's sister. Sorry, when I thought you meant his sister, and I got confused there. Yeah, so he was he was dating Tony's <laughs> hey, sister. He's awful. He was, he was a, but just perfectly acted. So yeah. there's a um, there's a podcast a that's hosted by um, I, I can't remember the actor's name, Michael Imperioli, and um, I, I don't know if it's Big Pussy or Bobby Bacala. I think it's Bobby Bacala, who uh, the actor plays Bobby Bacala, and they do. It's called Talking Sopranos. And I think they're up to like the 69th episode or 70th episode or maybe beyond that. It could be 170th episode. But they, they, they do podcasts where they just talk about whatever, but they also go through every episode of the series and they bring on everyone involved in the show, like producers, directors, they have David Chase, every actor. But curiously, Joe Pantoliano is the only guy who's never been on the show, which is interesting considering he was such a big character on the show and he was there for two seasons. So it's, mm-hmm. But we were digging it up, and I th- he was in a car accident in 2020 and uh, gave him a concussion, and he also suffers from depression. So who knows? Maybe there's some sort of a legit reason why he doesn't feel comfortable coming on the podcast. Or maybe just Did you ever watch those, like... Um... Reunion Apart videos. What's that? Maybe I'm getting the name wrong. Together Apart or something. Together Apart Reunions. Uh, you know the guy that plays that little animated snowman, Frozen? Oh my god. Joel, I'm going to let you keep talking, but I'm really worried where you're going here. Uh, he's, he's a comedian anyway. Josh Gad. Josh Gad, yeah. And he did a bunch of... Oh, Reunited Apart. You didn't hear about these? There were no. some really cool ones. Okay. So they, they took a whole bunch of old shows and movies like Ghostbusters and Lord of the Rings and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Brings the cast together. Wayne's World. And they had Zoom calls with, with all the whole cast. Uh-huh. And some, some of the directors and everything, too. Uh, they did Splash. They did The Goonies. Okay. And basically, like they they bring people up in in a different time. So like some of the people didn't know that everybody was going to be there, and then oh, mm. they pop into the video. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they were a lot of fun. They were all for charities. Um, I don't know where I was going with it because <laughs> well, you're talking about podcasts, you're talking about movies, you're talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. Culture, so. It was just one of those like the height of the lockdown entities, kind of like that uplifting news that. John Krasinski from the office did. 
Is that his name? Krasinski. That's yeah, Jim from the office. What does this have to do? I'm Joel. I'm getting worried here. What are you talking about? Where's John Krasinski? Yeah, Kron because John Krasinski did Chronic. this like series of <laughs> uplifting news from oh. his home. Oh. oh, you know we're all in this together. Oh. <laughs> it was called Some Good News SGM. <laughs> I, I appreciate. I'm not going to be so cynical on this. All these I, little home projects that the celebrities came up with, just so that they could continue to get attention. Well, you know, and the the last thing I want to say before I, I don't want to suck up the air, if in case you have something else to say, but the uh, no, uh, there was a I was I was chatting with a friend today when we were walking the dog, and he was talking about this. There was this character that showed up, and I I didn't know who it was, and I was getting upset about his name alone. And sometimes I just get oddly aggravated by little things like this. But it, Bo Burnham, do you know who that is? Yep. Right. So no I didn't mom. know who that was. Uh, apparently he's a YouTuber who has shed his shameful YouTuber background and become a celebrity of some sort. And he has a, YouTube, or a, a Netflix special right now. <laughs> and uh, the Netflix special is him recording stuff at his house. And I say house in quotation marks. Uh, because it, it appears like, according to my friend, that he, he basically has like some sort of special like attic apartment of some sort that he's recording music and doing bits and talking about like calling his mom on his iPhone. And it, it's apparently he, he it was he was giving it a hearty endorsement. Uh, but I, I was kind of giving it a little side eye throughout his description because it sounds like something that would give me cancer if I watched it. But do you what are your thoughts, Joel? Thing Bo Burnham has ever done is brilliant. Holy do smokes! See, do you ever see Eighth Grade? Mm -hmm. Eighth Grade was this movie in 2018 that was famously shunned and didn't get any nominations, zero nominations, and it was one of like the Just groundbreaking movies of the year. Uh, it was his first movie that he ever directed, directed it. and wrote. And it is so hard to watch. It's just like completely cringy. It's just about this this kid, Elsie Fisher, uh -huh. I think plays it. And you should watch sometime. Uh, I think you're, you're not kinda, selling it, Joel. You kind of get <laughs> the idea. No, it's, it's, it makes you uncomfortable in so how like visceral and real it is. But it's not a bad yeah. movie. It's a really good movie. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, he is like insanely talented. I used to watch him. He had these. He has a little keyboard in his room, and he would play the keyboard yeah. and sing songs, and they were just like silly little songs, but they're all hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From way back, and then you know when YouTube had their big like YouTube Live, yeah. they tried to like you know really make themselves legitimate. He was one of the centerpieces, and he just basically shit on YouTube yeah. <laughs> in the, in the middle of it. Uh, and then yeah, I mean he's gone on to like do some uh, like like stand-up specials and he's yeah he's one of the prominent comedians of uh like as, as far as young comedians go these days uh i think of what's that other guy that's always like really well dressed that's hilarious uh i don't know <laughs> mulaney john mulaney okay sure and he, he he he's like fairly similar in comedy as john mulaney kind of like He's like a little bit crass, but he's mostly clean. Yeah, yeah. He's he's working more on like the jokes themselves are funny as opposed. To yeah, exactly. He doesn't need to do like gag humor and. Well, know, I'll, to, I'll, I'll give him a look. Best. I don't. I don't want to to prejudge him too hard before yeah. I've seen anything about. I mean, him. anybody that comes from YouTube obviously comes with like a little bit of a stain. 
But, well, there, uh, but there are plenty of funny people like, watching YouTube, right? Andy so. Samberg came from YouTube, right? The Lonely Island was the just Lonely a, Island, a, yeah. a YouTube skit. Uh, yeah. Whitest Kids You Know, they started on YouTube. Yeah. Plenty of good comedy groups. Like, cut of course. Their jobs there. Of course. I, I'm not prejudging based on YouTube alone. Yeah. It, it's more just, it, it's his extremely petty. I don't like his name. I find it obnoxious. <laughs> to the His name is Robert Pickering Burnham. I'm gonna call him Bob if I ever ran into him. I'd say, "What's up, Bob? What's up, Bob?" You know what I'm saying? Anyway, Android's Dungeon is a show about talking about Bo Burnham, who Jack's never so seen. <laughs> Feels oddly aggravated. Who the hell by. is this guy? Joel, <laughs> <laughs> so what are you playing recently? I got a plus don't, and, uh, don't you know. talk about Civ yet. We'll share that together. You Some spoiled it. Building. <laughs> How'd DC go? Uh, DC was fine. Um, Sam won. I think. Can't remember. Moving on. Yeah. I, got, I got to play Azul. We nice. split it. Great. It was a tie? It was a tie. It sucks where we keep playing the same old games. Like you, back in the day, we used to have like a new game every week, or at well, least we'd be really into a certain game. But like, it's really dried up lately as far as new well, stuff. Well, but it's, new it's stuff. tough. It's tough because, um, look, it, I'm I'm busy. You're busy. It, it's not like we're just sitting around, kind of like like twiddling our thumbs and yeah. deciding not to play something. It, there's it's stuff going on, guys. And we can go outside and do stuff too. That's fine. So, like, well, let's get into it then, because we we got to shake off the cobwebs. Of, I'm going to be bold and say year and a half. Yeah, because it, it feels like it's been that long since we got to do it, and we finally managed to get six people together to play a game of Civilization, specifically the uh, Western Empire's Mega Civilization variant, mm-hmm. and. Played it uh, in case anyone's sitting there figuring out how to wrap me out to the Stasi, the Guelph Stasi. Don't even think about it, buddy. We play in the backyard, all right? And even if we didn't, you wouldn't know. Oh. Yeah, and, and it, we suffered for it because it was a it pretty was windy day. It's and it was windy. It was bloody windy last or tonight too. But uh, we got to play outside, set it all up. Fantastic. Got six people together. Two people. Let's so let's let's build this from scratch. Two people have never played before. Four people had are veterans. I'd say we're all the other four are complete veterans. I don't know how many games Chris has played or Stefan. You and I have played if, like at least like a dozen in real life, and how many more digitally as far as advanced Civ goes online? Yeah. I'd say we're pushing um, like fifteen or sixteen games. We're, I think we're doing okay, all things considered. Yeah. Um, Which, like, I think when we, when I went to Gen Con and the guys were like, the guy was demoing uh, Western Empires, I think, and he was like, mm-hmm. okay, okay, how many games has everyone played? And a lot of people were like, my first game, and then a few people had played like one game, two games, you said. Scenario, there, there, like fifteen. And no did, were deal. they shocked at that? <laughs> yeah, oh! it's they, it's a big deal. They bowed down before us. That was nice. So we we. <laughs> We got to introduce it to two new people, and uh, before we go any further, I just want to establish the, the, because this is something I was thinking about, because I was posting on our, uh, the Android Dungeon Twitter about this a little bit today, and I was saying that it felt interesting teaching this game since, because it feels like I've been teaching 18xx for the past year and a half, <laughs> and 
uh, I've kind of figured out at least my um, heuristic framework for teaching train games. Uh, but going back to, 18, uh, to Civilization was uh, it felt easy compared to the train game uh, because I think the the mechanics and the fundamentals of civilization are closer to the ideas and concepts that the average board gamer is accustomed to insofar to moving things around and yeah. interacting on the board versus 18xx which i think is totally alien and unusual and there's, there's a stock there's, market mm. yeah exactly there's there's a lot of stuff you don't versus, actually you're not a, you don't actually exist on the board it, that's another part too so there's <laughs> like imagine civilization if Okay, so you've got your sieve here, but this is your own money, and make sure to keep these tokens separate. And yeah, and oh, so, sorry, you can't spend that money because that's not your money; that's the company's money. But you're the president, but, of the money, so you get to spend it on their behalf. But you yeah. can't have any of it, exactly, and you can't put any of your money into that unless mm. you try to buy a train. You can't afford it. But we're playing <laughs> one of these variants where there's no emergency <laughs> buys, so you're not allowed. Anyway, so it was. I, I think it was. And I feel, maybe I'm being a little egotistic here, but I think we did a pretty good job teaching it as far as I thought we were very clear with how things happen, what you should be doing, and what you should be worrying about, and not getting too deep into the sort of strategy behind it, because I think it's the biggest mistake you can make when teaching a game is falling down the hole of strategy. Yeah. But at the same time, and this is the weakness to both 18xx and civ is that like i believe i don't know if it was i don't know if it was chris saying it or it was uh jason or you but saying that you you can lose theoretically if people are playing optimally in the first round or three right if yeah. you don't expand properly, which I don't totally I believe, about that. but I did say something like, "If you build a city right away, you'll be out," or "No, if you build a boat right away, you'll be out." Yeah, exactly. So theoretically, you could build a boat right away, like a dummy, and it's game over. You spend your two units, you've got a boat, and you can't keep upkeep, <laughs> and now you have no units and no boat, and the game's over for you until Civil War X rounds in, <laughs> yeah. which is a disaster. You become the barbarians or something. You become the barbarians. So. Uh, but as far as that went, I think the the teaching experience was pretty smooth, and I think that, um, I I think that Josh and Josh clicked pretty quickly, and I was impressed. I was very happy with how quickly yep. they grabbed on to what we were getting at, because frankly, it isn't complicated. It, it's quite simple. And Joel and I were talking about this a little bit before, and I swear that it is. I think civilization is far simpler than the average euro that's out there in terms yeah. of. At least in the fundamentals. In the fundamentals. I think the, the teaching experience is actually just so, so simple. But the strategy behind it, I think, is more punishing in its, its simplicity. That there, there's yeah. a, it's, it's more painful when you miss, make a mistake versus in other games where maybe you can bounce back. But even then, like, I, like I'm just thinking about, let's say, Feast for Odin and screwing up somewhere. And it, perhaps it's more crippling in that game if you... like make a mistake and then you're just completely out of it but maybe i'm just thinking of like any of these games where zero luck is involved and it's there's pure. definitely a lot of comeback in yeah. civ but i will say that like okay straight up combat strategy you know like as far as expanding everything like that that's pretty simple 
But yeah. knowing that you should maybe handicap your population so that you go later, that's a little more advanced. And then going on top of that, understanding each of the calamities that could come and what's yes, a true calamity yes, that's going to yes. come early, keep your eye yeah. out for treachery, followed by X, followed by X. That's like kind of like Twilight Struggle-esque, like knowing the cards in order to mitigate them but at the same time like even after 15 games we're not looking for those cards right we're not nope. expecting them nope, to just nope, show up in nope. our hand and when they do it's still surprising and awesome <laughs> it's not like yeah. it's like well oh no worries of flat i planned for this <laughs> no no it's, it's absolutely not it's like the is flood is that tradable no because so, i got it <laughs> got two non-tradables on the same turn yeah so like maybe like the non-tradables you have to expect maybe around yeah. and that's like more advanced stuff like to think about what to do about that but um uh let, let's get into it so the the uh, teaching experience let's say we pass that just going into it this was a i called a cobweb a cobweb shaking game yeah. because um and I'll I'll just lay my cards on the table. I've got a newbie to I'm Hellas. I've got a newbie as Hattite or Hittite, whatever you want to call it, uh, next to me. I've got Chris as Crete or Manoa uh, underneath me, and I've got Stefan as Rome next to me. Stefan, I'm worried about. Chris, I'm usually pretty good about. He he knows the score. He's not going to rock the boat. We can both yeah. figure things out. Um. The the only thing is that, and this is where um, I felt a little kind of like kind of making suboptimal decisions, is that I think if it had been anyone else, I would have built a boat and sailed across to the Hadite territory in two seconds and yep. started grabbing some of those territories. I'm surprised you didn't take that neutral territory so quick. Uh, which one? The stuff kind of to the north. I uh, I was I was working my way up there. It just wasn't. I didn't need it. That's my yeah. issue. That it, it, it. I was making my way up there slowly, but uh, must have been nice. <laughs> uh, and so there was the up. other. And the, well, there's the other part too, where Stefan built a city right next to me, and I had plenty of ex surplus t- troops where I could have just easily yeah. just, like screwed it up. But I just thought, I think what people would have been shocked. Doing? But like, how long would they have been shocked? Right? Maybe we would have been like, you know what? This is the new normal. Well, get, but get that used to it. Well, I th- and that's what I want to get is that uh, ultimately I think the the next game I think gloves are off. But at the same time, yeah. you also have to realize that it's maybe not optimal to screw over that city and have somebody go tilt on you because it's like, oh, well, that's how it's gonna be, eh? So yeah, and then every time you build a city, you're thinking, ah, oh, crap. Because honestly, like in Advancive, it wasn't so bad because you could see their boats. Mm-hmm. This one, it's like. Pretty much anyone can get anywhere because they can build boats as they move. Yeah, it gets a lot more scary. It's actually it's, it's less scary accurate. with the rules of advancive. Which is why I think, and Joel asked at the beginning of this game, was like, "What rules are we doing for boats?" And I said, "Forget it. Let's just do normal rules." But I think next time we play, uh, the cobs, cobwebs are shaken off, and let's do traditional boat building rules. Boat and let's first. See what happens. Yeah. Boat first. Everybody builds boats. Then we do everybody moves. Yeah. So that I way you got to lay your cards better. on the table. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's more strategic. And frankly, it's terrifying because it forces you to make hard decisions with regard to, well, look, do I want to build my boats now? Uh, I could use those units somewhere else, but I'm a little concerned about what Chris is going to do with his boats. So do I want the flexibility? Uh, I don't know. It's 
Tough decisions. Oh, that's what we love in situation games. we had with Y with like, oh, well, I'll just build a boat and head over there. And then he's like, oh, 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 no, was it Eli? Eli, yeah. I don't we remember this. online. And he's like, you can't build a boat now. And I was like, oh, yeah, you can. And then it was like, oh, but we're, you know, like we didn't have a, a Western Empire's iteration. So, technically so he was we basically were playing and, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's tricky. That's absolutely tricky. And yeah. uh, I, I see it. What were your thoughts, Joel? Uh, I thought it was fun. Uh, I was Iberia to the west. I had Stefan also as a neighbor from the other side. And then newbie Josh F to the south. And uh, Josh F was pretty easy to, like, I feel like I really could have pushed him around. And I even, I kind of did him a favor because I moved off of a territory that he wanted. He didn't even know that he wanted it, really. (laughs) (laughs) And really, like, if I was playing, like you said, uh, gloves off, I would just continue to advance there, right? Like, just add extra people and just keep pushing into his space, taking space after space, letting him try to fight back if he could. And I think I probably could have eaten up about a third of his land. But it was his first game, and I wanted him to have fun. Yeah. So push back, let him go, you know, moved away from him. And, you know, like like you said, I don't know if it's optimal because at the same time, he got into a situation where he had extra people and he didn't come after me either, right? Mm-hmm. He took those extra people and he went up north into the islands of Crete and the peninsula of Rome. And so, you know, everybody's going to make a decision because everybody's going to be in this situation where they're going last and they have to, and they have surplus. Yeah, like, well, I can't build a city with this. I have to do something with it or it's going to die. Yeah. That's the point where you look around at your neighbors and you say, what have they done? Right. And then in that situation, maybe gaining those extra territories wouldn't have been worth having Josh come after me. So, well, exactly. It's like you got to, you got to balance like, is that extra two pop space worth having some guy who's furious at you for taking them from (laughs) you? And, I, I, I'm really looking forward to, and I'm, I personally, I don't even think I'm there yet, but I'd like to be where it's, it's zero motion. It's just like, mm. Oh, you got me. Well, yeah, that's it is. Uh, but more in the sense of, I would love to cut deals. And when you're describing what you were saying, I would love to cut deals with like, let's say have talked to Josh Faria during trades and said, look, you know, why don't we, we can cut up these, t- like, Rome together. Oh, uh, yeah, it's kind of like a diplomacy X thing. It's like, diplomacy we both thing. at the it's same like, time. If you, if you start pressure, he can't deal with both of us. We can eat both of them. You've got that level island down there. He can't handle that. He's going to send troops in there. Yeah. I'm going to push him from the, uh, his eastern borders. Let's, let's, let's eat them together. And you I see think. somebody with a lot of population going first, and you know you both go after him, and it's like. It's like, let's, let's have fun. And then Double maybe whammy. like the next one is like all like talking to you and saying, let's all push. Let's eat him <laughs> alive. Yeah. And, we can and you should be doing that to the leader. Absolutely. And that's the thing. That's the trick. That's the troubling part is that if you're not doing to the leader, you're wasting your time unless you're really boosting your own position to the point where you can become the leader. Uh, if you're just doing it to weak player, I think it, it can, it can be beneficial to like get a better position but it's only if you actually get the better position versus just like, yeah, I ate a guy who was in fourth place. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> it's like, boy, yeah. I feel good. And do you even get to take advantage of it or do you get hit with a whammy right away? And actually- <laughs> right, 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 right. So, Although it is kind of nice to, you know, lose territory that wasn't actually yours. 
when you get hit with a whammy. Well, and that's the other part too, is that it's nice to if you annex something and then immediately use it as a bulwark against some some nonsense that you get hit with. So I think that happened to you. And I mean we could talk about this trade because this trade was pretty funny from my perspective on this uh fruit sure. versus wine situation. Oh, okay, interesting. So what happened, and this happened like three times in the game, where me and Jack started collecting the same stuff. Yeah, we we started collecting fruit together, and then we started collecting wine together, and then there was another thing, and then we came to these impasses. So I said, okay, well, I'll give you the fruit, you give me the wine. Ah. And it was, you know, three for three, but I at no point expected a three for three. Mm. And I was looking at my other cards, and I was like, what could I give him instead of three fruit? And then yeah. I thought, you know. I can feign that I'm going to be honest in this situation and actually give him three fruit. And then maybe, you know, he'll feel guilty when he throws something at me (laughs) with the wine, right? Because I was looking at the other things I could give you and they were all like fairly good things. And then what am I going to do? Have one fruit left over, right? Like Uh... I'm just, I'm kneecapping you out of a little bit of your set collection. Sure. But at the same time, like then I have no leverage. So yeah. I'm like, well, you know what? I will, I will put the th- put the fruit down. Pretty sure, you know, I'm gonna get hit with something, but it's not a big deal. And uh, yeah, sure enough. So what happened was, uh, the trade was three fruit to three wine, and Jack gave me two of the wine that I wanted, and then also uh, I think treachery. And then you were able to yeah, use right. that treachery. You got hit with something. Yeah. Uh, and you were able to use that treachery, um, which is to steal a city, for anybody yeah. that doesn't know, uh, to to mitigate some of your damage. Which so not, nothing gained, nothing well. lost, or yeah. nothing lost, something gained. So. It, it, there were some interesting trades going on there, and I felt like, yeah, like you're describing, that we were just both kind of chasing similar ghosts at one point, and it was, it was kind yeah. of frustrating, where it's like, oh, what's going to break? I think the very first... Because... Also, you, sometimes you just win and lose for what you draw, which is, there's a little bit of luck there. Of course. Um, I drew, in the very first turn that Calamities came out, two non-tradable Calamities and a tradable Calamity. Which sucks in its own right. Obviously, You've I, lost I know three that I'm having goods. minimum two Calamities, but also, yeah, on top of that, half of the trade goods that I would have gotten were just bad things yeah so in that situation obviously i i got three cards instead of six yeah so a little behind on the trades obviously there's an opportunity to come back but uh uh in the end i was i I was thinking like in a full game you know i definitely like go all out to see what i could do but in that one you know like we said we were shaking off the cobwebs we were just kind of having fun with it and Mm -hmm. and i think i really enjoyed doing that well, that's what uh, that's that was my main purpose because, frankly, I played completely suboptimally at times where I was like losing yeah. population. I haven't played Hellison forever, and uh, there were, like I think as soon as you don't move into Hadite territory, you immediately feel like you're you're starting to throw away population unnecessarily. So it's a little frustrating, but I had fun. That's that's yeah. all I can say is that that's minus helpful. the wind blowing stuff around, which was <laughs> extremely frustrating. I had a great time, and hopefully it's yeah. a sign of things to come because, uh, you know, it is it is the time of the year when you can sit outside and do that sort of stuff, and uh, people are not sitting there uh, looking at you. They're in. 
I know. I know, got, I know, I know. Uh, so that's July. Four right there. Yeah. Like easy to find two more people. It's not even a question. So yeah. we're in good shape. All right, let's take so, a musical break. We'll be back in a second to, to uh, talk a little bit about uh, D&D. Stay tuned. Like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night.
Welcome back to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93FM. What you just heard was Dark Knight by the Blasters. We've played that before a while ago. And Vagrant by Kuro Togagi. Ah, yes, the Vagrant. Was that a tribute to the writer of... Um... Can't believe it. Berserk. Not Berserk. Is that like <laughs> the anime you like or the manga you like? No, it's just he died like this week. Not this week, Joel. He died a couple weeks ago, but yes. It Whatever. Was. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I saw the news this week. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, yeah, I guess you could say it is. Uh, what's his name? One second. I'm just going to roll behind me here. Kentaro Miura of Berserk, who had been writing since the late 80s. And Berserk is 100%, without question, my favorite manga. Hey, nice. I didn't know that. It is I like fantastic. that I forgot the name of it, and you're like... <laughs> Everyone oh. should read it at the first chance they get. It is ultra-violent. It is ultra... Uh, just deranged it is pure <laughs> it is <laughs> there's this uh there are these two guys who created this show called nirvana the band the show that started online they had their own website and they had this little side bit called uh i forget the the name of it like they call it like the side stories or whatever like little things that don't fit into their their story arc <laughs> and uh one of them revolves around them telling stories about uh, the one guy, how they won't teach him how to play the Magic the Gathering because one night he got all loaded <laughs> and he was abusive towards them. And uh, they describe him as being obsessed. When, he, when he's drunk, he loves three things. Murder, gold, and sex. <laughs> and that's what, <laughs> that's what Berserk is. Pure murder, pure gold, pure sex. And that's, it's, it's just absolutely brilliant. And the art quality is fantastic and people have been copying it for a long time and he's copied stuff for a long time and every single dark souls demon souls game has copied berserk you will see the you will see the content you will see the references everywhere it's 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 the homage it's borderline plagiarism and I I don't say plagiarism because I know that he loves Berserk. That's the only reason. So so back to it. Did, is that why you played it? <laughs> I actually had. I think you said Vagabond. I think Vagabond is Vagabond actually is what that I've uh, I've actually read that myself. So which looks great too. It's, yeah, it I've is. Never read that one, but I like this the or kind like of the Ronin samurism. Extremely Where Berserk violent. Is like a lot of demon killing, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like just atrocious, <laughs> horrible stuff. It's incredible. Uh, all right. Where, where well, were we? <laughs> we? We were talking about D and D Tuesday campaign. Uh, yes, the Dungeons and the Dragons. The Dungeons and the Dragons. Um, not great. I. Uh, oh no. No, it's just that, like, it was fun. Like, let, don't get me wrong. It's just. They they're really they I don't know. It's just like the composition of the party uh really struggles. And it's it's just like it's like I it, it's they're limping along. I think they lost another guy. Another hmm. guy died. Like um, died died? 
I died, yeah. Whoa. Um, so they just bring in a new character. They're, they're happy with their new character. They've got like a rogue now, and they're very excited about the uncanny dodge. They're just losing it. They're like, oh. But what I did was uh, when you guys went from Salt Marsh to the Sawagin Fortress, you were pretty much, I think you were just rolled really well in navigation. You were just fine. You just got there pretty quickly and you also got like a whole convoy of other ships to follow you so you were kind of like not an easy target these guys got lost and they got lost in a storm now was that bad rolls or was it they didn't prepare yeah, just bad rolls <laughs> but what ended up happening was that there was this kind of like sawagin raid that you could conduct that was like kind of like pretty easy low level stuff um, is that the uh, thing we did where we end up killing it like <laughs> 40 of them or something <laughs> <laughs> no, no, well, that's what you, you did that at the fortress. This is before they even get there. So they're just oh, on okay. the boat on the way. Okay. And a storm kicks up, and there's a priestess. There's one priestess, one champion, and three Sawagin. Right? Oh, is this when they have their own boat? And the priestess? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, geez, that feels like forever ago. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like an optional thing that can happen if they don't, you know, do very well on the way there. And I mean, like, when you were like raiding, I think like, you killed two priestesses, two champions, three uh, of the mid-tier guys. I can't remember their names. And, like, six Saugeen in a single battle. And it was, like, not even that hard. You guys just, like, wiped it. These guys, nearly, these guys nearly died. They actually, one of their characters did die-die. Um, nearly got, like, TPK'd off of this, like, kind of, like, you know... Some a couple guys show up, you know, on their ship. Yeah, and the one guy, oh, oh, Jack, <laughs> this one guy, his name was, it was Josh M, the guy you met. Yeah, his idea. There's all these shell sharks swimming around the ship, and Jump one of the, the champions is yes, one of the champions is riding the shell shark, and his idea is, I'm gonna jump off the boat knock that guy off the shell shark and then ride the shell shark around <laughs> all right well it's it's all right it's pretty cool kind of cool but then he's in the water with six shell sharks and you remember those things those things like almost they hurt you guys they hurt yeah. <laughs> so he missed his like attempt well no what ended up happening was before he actually like he said he was gonna do it but what happened was the the, the shark like vaulted the champion onto the prow of the ship yeah so then he was like, oh, man, he's here. Like, I was going to jump out on him. <laughs> it's like, thank God. <laughs> you never oh, tried man. that because you were just gone. But anyway, uh, Oceanus uh, is no more, unfortunately. <laughs> she was a victim of the uh, blood-crazed Sawagin. And now uh, they're on their way. You know, they, they've now kind of got a taste of what the Sawagin can do. And they're on their way to the fortress. They just arrived. Hopefully they remember, maybe with some assistance from the DM, reminding them about the uh, the blood frenzy that can occur. Oh, they, the, the blood frenzy was a big deal <laughs> in okay. this fight. And it really, it oh, with advantage, like, and I'm rolling on the screen, they could see the big differences that it was making. Because all of a sudden, every every one of them, ha one of them, every one of the creatures has advantage, and these guys aren't AC twenty, man. They're all AC fifteen or less. Yeah, <laughs> they're getting hit every time. It's brutal. 
do you, so you've been DMing for a while here, and we don't have a lot of time left. So let's say we'll have, we have another couple of minutes here. Sure. Um, it, we had a situation today when you could, if you had been DMing in a way that made sense with the monsters, you would have killed a player character. Yeah, I think so. Um, do you pull punches because it's not fun? Or do you have situations where you decide to, you think about, oh, the monsters wouldn't necessarily do that? Um, I'm not, like... I mean, like, if I was, like, I feel like if I was, like, a proper DM, like, there was some kind of D&D tournament or something like that, I feel like I would try to go hyper-realism. But I'm not really going for realism in our campaign. I'm more going for, yeah, like, fun and experience. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, I'm not pulling... Like, you know I'm pulling punches there, right? Like, if I have control over this super powerful fighter who does three attacks a turn, and I'm allowing him to do one attack, and I'm not telling him to kill people, and I'm not telling him to go after the wizard, um, you know that, like, I'm at least giving you guys a chance. But at the same time, I'm forcing him to, like, put himself into a situation where he's probably going to die. He's going down a pit of water alone... Yeah. With a monster that is trying to kill him, yeah, and he and they're both leaving you guys behind as well, right? You guys all of a sudden can't see them, can't do anything with them. All of a sudden, it's like almost a one v one situation with the abolith. So, if he was to be killed in that situation, I'd be fine with that. I'll say that. Yeah, if I were to kill Ugo with an abolith one on one, it would be a fair way for him to die. Yeah. But at the same time, the abilities that and like the conditions and the saves that you have to make in that particular combat, which was completely by the book, by the way, uh-huh. um, makes it a very high probability of fatality, I think. And they even write it into the book, like basically, if somebody dies, like truly dies, he will begin to bargain with the other three and demand surrender like oh it actually sets up a situation where it says like this combat is so hard that if you want you can kill one person and then stop huh <laughs> so that option is kind of baked in there you you are not easy easy enemies you throw in four of these paralysis tool monsters and yeah. you're in for a tough fight the the only thing I'll say in the dying minutes of our show here that, and then like Joel and I have been talking a little bit uh, like outside of this, and I've been, when I've been building some of my char- like these encounters, some of these monsters, it's like I try to build stuff that I like in yeah. terms of what feels good to play, and it, it's frustrating to me as a player to come across situations where monsters force checks that i feel are fairly binary and that it's like an on off do stuff do not do stuff do you have a turn do you not do a turn so that's bad enough to lose a turn completely it's even worse to lose a turn and end up having to in your situation what you're describing like oh by the way the fighter is mind controlled and hits the other fighter or the other ranger for three attacks at plus yeah. thirteen, <laughs> uh, and to me that's just obscene. And it's like I understand this is like a t- a high level foe, 
but I, I just don't know the answer to it because it just doesn't feel good and it shouldn't feel good. But at the same time, do you understand what I'm getting at the where it's like, it doesn't feel earned. It almost feels kind of yeah. like the thumb is on the scale with regard to forcing a fighter to beat a wisdom check. Yeah. And... It's kind of tough. I mean, like, obviously like you, you get these situations where you have all these characters with like 20 AC and they're like almost impossible to hit and they're getting mm-hmm. plus 13. So, the characters are also overpowered, so a monster that's overpowered and like yeah. takes advantage of your weaknesses. Like honestly, your hiding was really good because obviously, if the Abolith were to detect you and be like, oh, wisdom I can see you," <laughs> you know, maybe he gets a little sense that you're not so wise, <laughs> and he's like, "Here's an easy target, right?" But uh, yeah, I mean, like I think that monsters that take advantage of min-maxing and like take advantage of pushing on weaknesses and that kind of thing, there's nothing wrong with that. The the no, the, the fact all. that you're talking about like it's very binary as far as whether or not they succeed. I think I like it a little bit in that it creates this like tension in the role that you know the stakes coming into that role. Yeah, and that when you roll when he rolls that natural one, you're like, uh oh. Right, like things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very badly, you know. I, I, I want scenarios where players believe that they can lose. Absolutely. Whether or not you know in the background they're going to lose or not doesn't matter as much to me. You know, like I can tweak things and they'll probably end yeah. up succeeding in the end. But I want them to be, you know, they, there's there's been way too much D and D that I've played as a player. Where it's just kind of like waiting for my turn to do X damage, and then Absolutely. eventually we just know we're going to win, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's kind of unfair, these like wisdom checks and stuff, but at the same time, they are good tools, I think, for a DM to uh, mitigate overpowered players. Well, I, I don't want to like trump you here, but I just feel like it, this is just a symptom of the min maxing world where it's yeah. like all it rewards is. The player character is min-maxing to out-min-max the min-max <laughs> monsters, and you end yeah. up with these all-or-nothing, like everyone's sort of a glass cannon of sorts with regard to, okay, well, I can do this, but I'm if someone casts this, I'm in trouble type situations, versus if everything's more even-handed, then it feels less unearned if... Someone like, oh, I get defeated on like a, I need a DC, I don't know, let's say 10 to beat this wisdom check. But because I didn't min max, it's a little more questionable. Like yeah. it's like I might get this, I might not versus like, well, I dumped uh, all my stats in a strength. So it's uh, this wasn't even a question here. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I guess what I'm trying to yeah. say is like when when things are more evenly are spread out. It yeah, kind of like, and like and maybe in maybe in six or or maybe six. in five e if they tweak <laughs> oh, no. it, uh, they'll create they'll kind of realize that and kind of create uh, more stakes in the other elements. Like maybe if there was sort of like I keep going back to Baldur's Gate, but there's a yeah. lot more at stake on your checks in your conversations. Yes, you know that was I mean? pure divinity stuff. So, yeah, exactly. And on all the other video game RPGs, you can get away with a lot by persuasion checks and yes, intimidation yes. and that kind of thing. Whereas in D&D, it just kind of feels like a waste of time. Half yep. the time, right? It's like, oh, a I get a the, discount at the store or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, a lot of the RP stuff feels like a waste of time. unless yeah. you know. 
And I mean, that's that comes down to the DM. True, that's absolutely. Most do. All right, we're out of time. Uh, Android Dungeon CFRU ninety three FM. Check us out on Twitter AD Radio CFRU, Instagram Android Dungeon, Anchor, all the other podcasting websites. Androids Dungeon. You can listen to us, and of course CFRU.ca live Thursdays one o'clock. If you're listening, it's a waste of time. Or if you want to listen to us on the archives. Either way, I'm Jack. Oh. <laughs> Joel, you just kind of <laughs> cut out there. It's called oh. <laughs> I'm Joel. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>